Section three of The Toilers of the Sea by Victor Hugo. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain, read by John Greenman. Chapter three For Your Wife When You Marry. Let us return to Gilliatt. It was said in the countryside that a woman, having with her a little child, had come to dwell in Guernsey toward the close of the Revolution. She was English, unless she was French. She bore some name or other, which Guernsey pronunciation and peasant orthography converted into Gilliatt. She lived alone with the child, who was, according to some, her nephew, according to others, her son, according to others her grandson, according to others still no relation at all to her. She had a little money, on which she lived in a poor way. She bought a bit of meadowland at the Sergente, and a piece at Roch-Craspel, near Roquenne. At that epoch the house at Bue de la Rue was haunted. No one had lived in it for thirty years. It was falling into ruins. The garden, too, frequently visited by the sea, could produce nothing. Besides the nocturnal sounds and lights, the house had this peculiarly alarming feature about it, that if one left a ball of worsted on the chimney-piece in the evening, with needles, and a full plate of soup, one found the soup eaten the next morning, the plate empty, and a pair of mittens knitted. This old house was offered for sale, together with the demon who was in it, for a few pounds sterling. This woman purchased it, silently tempted by the devil, or by the low price. She did more than buy it, she lived in it with her child, and from that moment the house quieted down. "'That house has what it wants,' said the people of the country. It ceased to be haunted. Cries were no longer heard there at daybreak. There was no longer any light except the tallow candle burned in the evening by the good woman. The candle of a witch is equivalent to the torch of the devil. This explanation satisfied the public. This woman turned to account the few roods of land which she possessed. She had a good cow that furnished yellow butter. She harvested white beans, cabbages, and golden-drop potatoes. She sold, like everybody else, parsnips by the barrel, onions by the hundred, and beans by the general. She did not go to the market, but had her harvest sold by Gilbert Falliot at the Abrevere of St. Sampson. Falliot's register shows that he once sold for her as much as twelve bushels of potatoes called three months of the earliest variety. The house had been wretchedly repaired, just sufficiently to admit of living in it. It only rained into the rooms in very hard storms. It was composed of a ground floor and an attic. The ground floor was divided into three rooms, two for sleeping and one where they ate. The attic was reached by a ladder. The woman did the cooking and taught the child to read. She did not go to any of the churches, which caused her to be regarded, on due consideration, as a Frenchwoman. Not to go to any place is serious. In short, they were enigmatical people. It is probable that she was French. Volcanoes cast forth stones, and revolutions cast forth men. Families are thus sent to great distances. Destinies are expatriated. 
groups are dispersed and crumpled to pieces. People fall from the clouds, some in Germany, some in England, some in America. They astonish the natives of the country. Whence come these strangers? That Vesuvius smoking yonder has spit them out. Names are conferred on these aerolites, on these expelled and lost individuals, on these people eliminated by fate. They are called emigres, refugees, adventurers. If they remain, they are tolerated. If they take their departure, people are relieved. Sometimes they are absolutely inoffensive individuals, strangers, the woman at least, to the events which have driven them forth, cherishing neither hatred nor resentment, greatly astonished and involuntary projectiles. They take root again as best they may. They have harmed no one, and do not understand what has happened to them. I have seen a poor tuft of grass dashed wildly into the air by an explosion in a mine. The French Revolution, more than any other explosion, was characterized by these distant projections. The woman who was called La Gilliatte in Guernsey was, perchance, such a tuft of grass. The woman grew old, the child became a youth. They lived alone and were avoided. They were sufficient for each other. The she-wolf and her cub lick each other in turn. This is one of the proverbs which the kindliness environing them applied to them. The youth became a man, and then, since the old and withered barks of life must always fall, the mother died. She bequeathed him the meadow of the sergente, the jaumiere of the roque crespel, the house of the but de la rue. Besides, as the official inventory says, Sanguinedor dans la pied d'une coche, that is to say, in the foot of a stocking. The house was sufficiently furnished, with two oaken coffers, two beds, six chairs, and one table with the requisite utensils. On a shelf were several books, and in one corner a trunk which was not in the least mysterious, and which had to be opened for the inventory. This trunk was of tawny leather with arabesque patterns in copper nails and pewter stars, and contained a woman's outfit, new and complete, in handsome Dunkirk linen, shifts and petticoats and silk gowns in the piece, with a paper on which they read the following, written by hand of the dead woman, For your wife, when you marry. This death was an overwhelming blow for the survivor. He had been shy. He became wild. The solitude around him was complete. It was not alone isolation, but a blank. As long as there are two, life is possible. Alone it seems as though one could no longer drag it. One ceases to pull. This is the first form of despair. Later on, one comprehends that duty consists in a series of submissions. One looks at death, one looks at life and one accepts. But it is a submission which makes the heart bleed. Gilliatt, being young, his wound healed over. At that age the flesh of the heart unites again. His sadness, effaced little by little, mingled with the nature about him, became a sort of charm, attracted him to things, and far from men, 
and amalgamated this soul ever more and more with solitude. End of chapter 3 For Your Wife When You Marry